Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 7, 14 to 23, you are not what you eat. You are not what you eat. In fact, there was a study to uh, prove this. There was a study, a psychology study, and a professor from the University of Penn and another one from Arizona State University did a study, and I'll just read a few parts of this article here. It says, eat wild boar, become more aggressive. Dine on seafood and swim well. Yes, at least in the eyes of others. Two psychologists tested the adage, you are what you eat, and found that we judge people by their diets. Did you know that? It says they, they came up with these uh, imaginary tribes, is what these, these psychologists did. And they showed people pictures of these different tribes. And they said, this tribe hunts uh, turtles, and then another one hunts wild boar. And then they said, judge the characteristics of these tribes. And this, it was all made up. But they judged the people who ate turtles as kind of peaceful. And, they, and you know, marine-type people, they probably swim in the river. And they judged the people who eat the wild boar as, oh, that's a warlike tribe. They're dangerous, you know. And they, judged, they had another tribe that only ate vegetables. Oh, that's a peaceful tribe. And everybody was judged by what they ate. And not, not based on reality, but just based on what it ate. I'll just read a couple of things. Almost all the traits attributed to the animals matched those assigned to the people who ate them. For example, turtle eaters were considered better swimmers. <laughs> Boar eaters were considered more aggressive. Elephant eaters were thought to be, have bigger builds than other people. Uh, it's crazy, isn't it? He says here, and this is Western people being tested on this. He said, we tend to believe people take on characteristics of what they eat. Now, some is reality. We can become fat by eating fat foods, fatty foods. We can turn orange by eating, too, by eating a lot of carrots. You know, if you've had babies, you know that happens. All right? We panicked the first couple times. Uh, but believing people take on characteristics of their diet is usually irrational since most of us know how digestion works. Right? These findings suggest we're not entirely guided by rational thinking. The researchers say, and we unknowingly hold, certain magical beliefs associated with non-Western, non-developed cultures. We believe the same way the tribal people believe they're saying. You are what you eat is false. False. But nevertheless, it creeps into our judgment. Interesting, isn't that? Now, we could have saved these psychologists and researchers a lot of time and money... They, I would have just said, read Mark chapter 7. Because Jesus already taught this. You are not what you eat. We have seen so far that the Pharisees attacked Jesus because the, Jesus and the disciples for not following the ceremonial hand washing before they eat. We saw Jesus go on the counter attack, the counter offensive. He attacks them and says, listen, God's word is more important than all your religious rules that you're making up as you go, all your traditions. It, and it's not about externals, it's about internals that are important. The internal, what's going on in the heart is what's important. <clears throat> get the CDs, get the podcast the last five in a row. It's been a, a series that's been building on it if you haven't been here. It's not about religion, but about relationship. A relationship with God. That's what we've been focusing on. And last week we saw that Jesus really gave it to the Pharisees. The title for last week was Food Fight. If you weren't here for that, get that. We looked at the parallel passage in Matthew 15, the food fight. But today we're going to see that it's the disciples' turn to get 
a, a jolt. He gave the Pharisees a jolt last week. Today we're going to see him give the disciples a jolt. And it's not just for the disciples, though, because who are his disciples? We are, right? These guys, it's a picture for us, and it's, these words are meant for us today. Today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for bringing us through another week of many trials and struggles and spiritual growth and steps of faith. We just pray for your mercy and grace now and for your Holy Spirit to speak to us through your word, preparing us all the time for communion, not just communion this morning, but communing with you every day, all day long. We pray that in Jesus' name. Okay, let's read the passage first of all. Mark chapter 7. We'll start with verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Let's start with the first two verses here. Verses 14 and 15. I'll read these again. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. It's not what goes in that makes us unclean, but what comes out of us that makes us unclean. And this concept went against the Pharisees' theology and psychology because they believed that man was a blank slate. This is the Pharisees' teaching. Man is a blank slate. Blank slate. Say that ten times fast. Uh, he's basically good. Basically good. But, he can, but over time, you, he becomes polluted by outside contamination. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> we still hear the same thing in psychology and theology today, don't we? Nothing has changed. Children are inherently good. They're good. They don't get poisoned until they're poisoned by people and, and the environment and, and all this. And they're just good. You know, children are really good. Well, I must have 13 mutants then. Because uh, they didn't start out good. I didn't, didn't have to teach them a lot of things they, they knew inherently. People just need the right environment. Just the right environment and the right education and the right socialistic society where all their needs are met. And then we're going to have this utopia. Everything's going to be great. Uh, <clears throat> listen to what God says about our nature in Genesis 8.21. Right after he destroyed the whole world except for a small group in a flood on the ark there. And listen to what God said after the flood in, in, in Genesis 8.21. He says, in Genesis 8.21, um, he says... Go down here. Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. That's God's perspective on these wonderful little children, on the human race. God's perspective. 
Every thought is evil from childhood. We are born with a fatal flaw, a horrific disease. It's much, it's spiritual Ebola. It's much worse. It's called the sin nature, and everyone is born it. Even your grandchildren, even those beautiful little grandchildren, they are, they are, I'm going to tell you what they are. They're what all of us are. We grow into spiritual zombies, you know, and, and we're in need of a radical cure. And it's a shock, isn't it? I remember as a parent being shocked. These little wonderful children who I love so much and they're so cute. And they're going to be different because I'm their parent and I'm going to raise them different. And what happened? You know, it's just like the alien invasion, right? You know, they're taken over by something. And it's, that's, that's, there's, we all have this. We're in need of a radical cure. We're in need of a blood transfusion. And that's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. That's what communion is all about. He shed his blood. It took the blood transfusion. He had to die on the cross and shed his blood. And we have to receive that covering of blood. We have to receive that blood cure if we're going to change. And we don't want to change until Jesus Christ touches our heart. And we cannot change until we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into us and the process begins. There's a radical change and then a lifelong process of transformation. It takes the rest of our life. So having said that, Jesus goes on now to talk to his disciples. And back to Matthew, Mark chapter 7. We'll look at verses 17 to 19 where he says, after he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So he starts off with, are you so dull? I'd be afraid to raise my hand with Jesus. I mean, as we're going through the Gospels, you know, that nice, wonderful Jesus picks up the children. Well, he's bashing the disciples all the time. And we are the disciples. They're dodos, we are dodos. But the good thing about them is they were all afraid to raise their hand except for one. Peter, that guy was so hard-headed, he just kept raising his hand, coming up with the answer. Wrong, 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 over and over, right? Uh, and, and he just kept doing it. So they didn't have to worry. Peter kept taking the, the beating here. But they're dodos. You say, how could they, how can they not get this? Well, this is before the cross, before the resurrection, before the ascension, before the Holy Spirit came to them, Pentecost, and before that, and before the Holy Spirit, and before we receive the Holy Spirit, we're all spiritual dodos. We can't get it. This is a picture of what we all were like before we become a Christian. Every one of us. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says... The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Before you put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive the Holy Spirit, you cannot get it. Reading the Bible is like reading another language. Until the Holy Spirit opens our eyes, we don't get it. And we we see the proof of this all over our country today. Things are going on and people are making decisions and, and doing the dumbest things. You say, How could they think like that? How could they do that? Well, they don't have the Holy Spirit. I was watching, reading the news this week and there was a pastor who was banned from YouTube. Did you read that article? He's banned from YouTube. He was preaching about persecution in the Middle East and how the, 
why the Muslims persecute Christians and kill them all the time. And, and he shared, you know, why they do that from the Quran and from the Bible. And he talked about Matthew 24. It's not a lot, a lot like some of my sermons recently. And I was like, well, he's right on target. But they banned him from YouTube because of his hate speech. He, read, he did Matthew 24 and the persecution verse I did last week. They banned him off of YouTube because of hate speech. And just a short time earlier on YouTube... They posted that video of that journalist uh, being beheaded, all right? The, there was a Muslim group that wanted to post it, and they allowed this to be on YouTube. So posting a video of somebody being beheaded is not hateful. But preaching about that is. And I, I'm really like, how could they? This is, I'm like, what? That's because whoever's running YouTube doesn't have the Holy Spirit. And they're doing insane things and thinking insane things. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? But that's how they think. And that's how we all thought before we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And how we can still fall back into thinking if we don't let the Holy Spirit fill us on a regular basis. If we are not living in the Spirit. That's why Ephesians 5.18 to 20. Talking to Christians, Ephesians 5.18 to 20 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a command. To allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How? Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, we're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, to let Him fill us, and to pray in the Spirit all day. Elizabeth and I were talking about this this week. We had lunch, we were talking, and she was sharing the story about a bucket, how she was, heard it was explained as a bucket. When we accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our heart, like just like a bucket being filled up with the Holy Spirit. But over time, there's leakage. Anybody experience leakage? We have holes in our bucket, don't we? And a lot of things happen that, that drain us spiritually. And as a result, we have to keep allowing that bucket to be filled. And how is that bucket filled? Really, if you were to look at that, Ephesians 5, 18 to 20, what is the gist of that? Singing and praying and worshiping. And what is the gist? It's spending time with Jesus Christ. That's what it comes down to. We spend time with God. And as we commune with Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills us. That's so vital for that, for that filling to happen. So even we think crazy until we become a Christian, but even after we become a Christian, we can still fall back into fleshly, worldly, old ruts and habits if we don't spend that time with Jesus, letting the Holy Spirit fill us and control us. It's a constant struggle, isn't it? Constant struggle. Constant battle. So he calls them dodos, calls the disciples dull dodos, right? He lets them have it. Then Jesus gives them a biology lesson. He gives them a biology lesson in these verses. He says, whatever you eat, sooner or later comes out. You've all seen the bumper sticker, poop happens, right? right? And trust me, whatever goes in has to come out. I've had 13 children, and we just got done with the diaper stage, and that was a lot of diapers. I've changed a lot of diapers. All right, yes, Kim changed a couple too. Okay, yes, she did change a couple. We, we changed a lot of diapers. My dad, when he saw me changing the first, diaper, first kid's diaper, he goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm changing diaper. He goes, I never change any of your kids' diapers. <laughs> he goes, you, should, you shouldn't start. Don't start. And I should have listened 13 kids later, right? But anyway, that was the old versus the new generations, right? So 
Uh, I never told Kim that story. Anyway, so anyway. Uh, <clears throat> anything, trust me, anything and everything we eat has to come out. In fact, I saw a very interesting story on this that really illustrated it. A baffled British woman who lost a mobile phone dialed the number and heard it ringing inside her friend's dog. She had left the cell phone under her Christmas tree as a surprise gift for her roommate, but Chum, the friend's bloodhound, uh, wait, no, I'm sorry, no, Chum, uh, this is English, uh, they're British, uh, but her Chum's bloodhound, Charlie, crept into the room and greedily wolfed down the mobile phone, leaving only a pile of torn paper. After a frantic search for the phone, she obtained the number from the phone company, dialed it, and heard the muffled ringing from sleeping Charlie's stomach. At first I thought Charlie was lying on the phone. Then I realized where it was, she said. I couldn't believe he'd swallowed it. The dog was rushed to a vet who advised Murray to let nature take its course. 24 hours later, the phone duly emerged in perfect working order. Do you think they used it? <laughs> I wouldn't have. It's not what goes into the stomach. It's going to come out. It's not what goes into the stomach that's important, it, but it's what goes into the heart that's the key. And the Pharisees missed the whole point. They were so focused on these food restrictions, they missed the whole point that the food restrictions were all about the heart. They missed it. They, they, they couldn't see the forest because of the trees. I remember at camp, and when I was doing this, this story jumped back to me. I was at camp, we were at Bible camp, Niagara Bible Conference camp, and we were, I was like 10 years old, and I was with my friends at camp, and, and we were having an argument at camp, at Bible camp, with one of our friends. My friend Tommy and my, me, there's Tommy and Chucky, were uh, having a fight with Corky. And uh, I don't know how, what his real name was, but we all call him Corky. And we were having an argument, and we got into such an argument over something really big at camp. Who knows what it was, candy, something. We're walking to our Bible class from swimming. We're walking there, and, and we're calling him names, and he's calling us names. We got so much out of Bible camp, right? So we're calling each other names and calling. And all of a sudden, we heard this weird thump sound, kind of like a pumpkin hitting the pavement kind of a thing. And we look over, and Corky was so busy screaming at us, invectives, that he walked into the tree, boom, his head hit the tree. And he went down like he was shot. And we're like, oh my goodness, we could get in trouble with this. So we ran to the Bible class. We left them there, right? And we're sitting there all the rest. We get in there, and, and Aunt Alice, she was strict, let me just say that. Aunt Alice said, Chucky, Tommy, why are you late? You know, we're about two seconds late, right? And we're like, oh, we just lost track of time. Okay, sit down. So we sit down, and we're sitting there, sitting on pins and needles, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? What's, what's happened to Corky? Is he alive? Is he dead? We don't know. We don't care. We just want to get to class before Aunt Alice, right? So we get there, and all of us, about half an hour later, in walks Corky with one of the women counselors, and she walks in with this big frown on her face, and he's got this big bandage over the side of his face, covering his eye. It's like, oh, his head's like swollen pumpkin, right? And walking in, and he's like got this evil eye, eye, not eyes, eye. And I said, and, and he, he looks over at us really mad. We're like, oh, now we're in big trouble. But no, she just sat him down and walked out. We could be in trouble. We didn't do anything. He walked into a tree, right? You know, we, we didn't do anything wrong. He's corky, walked into a tree. And, and this is what the Pharisees had done. They were so focused on these stupid little rules that they made up that here's Jesus and they're calling him names and can't wait to kill him on a cross and they walk into this spiritual wall. 
And they missed the whole point. Now, back to the food restrictions, there was definitely some practical health dietary, dietary reasons. We can look at why... God said they couldn't eat certain things. You can see why. A lot of things were bottom feeders, which are more prone to disease. Uh, some with vultures, they weren't allowed to eat because they eat dead things. You, you can see God protecting them from disease and, and diet. You can also see him protecting them from <clears throat> like eating pork because pork, if you don't cook pork properly, you can get a lot of bad sicknesses from. So you can see why he said pork because there's, there's you can see dietary and disease reasons. Uh, but... Having said that, the main reason for the restrictions, the main reason for the restrictions was to teach them to be different from the world. It was teaching God had set them apart and they weren't, they were supposed to be different. They were to be holy, set apart. The word holy means set apart, different from the world. And the food was to, to, was a, an, a reminder to be teaching them to be different from the world. The outward differences were supposed to be an object lesson of inward differences, which was holiness. Holiness. And holiness was always meant to be a heart issue, which they missed. They saw holiness as external. And don't wash your hands, you know, and, and don't eat this, you know, don't eat the pork, right? They, they missed the whole point. It was, it was never about that. It was never about religion. It was never about doing. It was about a relationship, a love relationship of the heart. It was always supposed to be about the heart, but they missed it. Like Corky, they walked into the tree. They missed it. Deuteronomy 6, in Deuteronomy 6, where Moses laid it all out there for him. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love. Hear that word? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Love and heart. It was all laid out there and they missed it. They missed it. They missed the whole point. And after this bio, biology lesson, and he drops the bomb bomb, he says, all foods are clean. All foods are clean. Now, now I want to say something, because I know I'm going to get in a little trouble for this. Uh, this doesn't mean all foods are good for you, or at least not all the time good for you. I don't want any of the kids going home saying, Mom and Dad, I can eat candy anytime I want. Pastor Chuck says it's clean. You know, it's good for me. It's clean. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. It's still the temple test. Remember the temple test? First Corinthians, temple test. Is it good for me? Or at least how often is eating this good for me? Um, you know, we have a saying in our house, fun food. Fun food, some of you might call it junk food, but we call it fun food. Once a week, we have our fun food. And I have put all this stuff out there and, and chips and candy and all that. We, it's fun. We watch something, we have our fun. Now, Kim said to me the other day, uh, I think we're eating a lot of fun food lately. In fact, I think it's become junk food. Because yeah? it's, it's fun food is fun, but if you eat it too much, it becomes junk food, right? So there's, there's the whole temple test. It doesn't mean it's wrong to have some candy, just not how often you eat it, okay? Uh, anyway, we won't go into confession on that right now. Uh, <clears throat> especially me. All foods are clean. Why? Because Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. And the purpose of not eating certain foods has been fulfilled. He fulfilled it. Now that Jesus came and died on the cross, he rose from the dead, he has ascended into heaven, what did he do after that? He sent the Holy Spirit. 
spirit down. As we, whenever we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. When you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin, I put my faith in him, I give my life to Jesus, when you do that, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us at that moment, at that moment of faith, and he lives inside of us, and he convicts us of what we should do. We don't have to be told, don't touch this, don't eat this, wash your hands. We don't have to be told anymore because the Holy Spirit is living inside of us to tell us. Now, there's certain things in the, in the Bible that Old and New Testament, they run together, they're clear, they're wrong, we all know that. But there's a lot of gray areas. When we talk about the gray areas, there's a lot of gray areas that we depend on the Holy Spirit to show us. And we talked about that from 1 Corinthians, the five tests of 1 Corinthians. But we, the Holy Spirit now convicts us to live that holy life. We don't have the law. We have the spirit inside of us actually doing it, reminding us of what the Bible is teaching and, and leading us. And it doesn't matter about what we put into our stomachs anymore. It matters about who is in our heart and what we let into our heart. That's what Jesus is trying to stress. That's what matters. What do we feed our hearts? And how do we feed our heart? Whatever goes into the mind. Through the eyes, into the mind, right to the heart. What do we allow into our heart? Romans 8, 5. Romans 8, 5 is a great example when he says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Where is our mind set? What is our mind set on? Is it set on, set on the sinful desires or is it set on what the spirit desires? And it's like a TV remote control. I call it a clicker. A TV remote control. Uh, what, do you, what channel is it set on? Whatever you set that TV channel on is what's going into the eyes, into the heart. Same thing with our minds. Forget the TV. Everything goes through the eyes and the mind and the, into the heart. What is it set on? What are we feeding that? That's why in Colossians 3, 1 to 2, in Colossians 3, where he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. It's so essential to set our minds and our hearts on things above, not on earthly things. It's so important because that's going to determine what, what's going on in our life. Are our hearts set on heaven or are our hearts set on the gutter? Right? Wherever you set it is going to determine. It's going to determine your actions. I guarantee if you feed your minds certain things, you will act on them. It's inevitable. And not only actions, but it's going to determine our lives and the whole course of our life. The whole course of our life is going to be determined on what we feed our mind, what we think about, what we look at, what we watch, what we look at the computer, what we read about, it's all going to determine where our actions and our life and the course of our life goes. And it's easy to tell what our minds are set on. What's in our heart? You know why? He gives us a whole list here to show if it's in the wrong place, if it's, if it's set on the wrong thing. Look at verses uh, Mark chapter 7, 20 to 23, where he gives us a list of showing that our hearts aren't in the right place. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Unclean. 
he's stressing here it's not it what's important isn't what comes out of out of our butts that's what it says in the greek i'm sorry but uh i'm kidding but but out of the mouth it's not out of the the one and it's out of the mouth that's the key that's what shows in our heart food ends up in the stomach and comes out poop happens right but sin start jesus it's in the bible right but sin starts in the heart sin starts in the heart and it comes out of the mouth and it's expectorated think of ebola you ever studied ebola and what i mean Spit the blood out. It's horrible. It's like one of these zombie movies, right? But that, that's what spiritually the evil comes out. That's what he's stressing here. And it's interesting that, that this list, for one thing, one thing is there's no distinction between thoughts or actions. The sins of thoughts or actions, they're both equally bad in God's sight. Did you realize that? Same thing. There may be different consequences, but in God's sight, it's the same thing. It's also interesting that many of these on this list are not considered evil today in the USA today, are they? <laughs> no, far from it. Certain of them are considered freedoms. Sexual morality is considered a freedom in this culture. And I'm not just talking about one. All the sexual moralities are considered freedom birthrights for Americans somehow now. Virtues even. Greed is good. Virtues even. And folly kind of wraps them all up, isn't it? Folly is just like standard thinking now. A good example uh, of folly. I was looking up the word folly and kind of trying to think of a way to put it in a box. And I'll give you an example of folly. Many young, I've, I've sat down with some young people, and they won't go eat at McDonald's. Oh, that's poisonous. Teenagers, not all of them, not in my house. But I, other, I have sat down with teenagers, and it's poison. But they smoke pot. And I'm like, okay, wait, I'm trying to understand this. You won't eat at McDonald's, but you'll smoke marijuana. Take a drug. Well, yeah, because but, Mar- McDonald's food is bad for you, but Mar- pot is, is natural. It got, God gave it, gave it to us. It grows in the wild. It's natural. So it's okay to smoke it. And I'm like, well, so does poison ivy. I don't see you smoking poison ivy. That's about how much sense this folly argument makes, right? Although I did have a friend who smoked poison ivy, by the way. Uh, he was out trying everything. He was, you know, it didn't start now, guys. It's pot, this whole smoking thing didn't start yesterday. It's older than, well, it's old enough. Anyway, 30 years ago, my friend, he was out rolling every leaf he could find in, out in his yard and woods, and he was smoking them all, and, and he had this really bad sore throat. He thought it's because he's smoking so much stuff. And... Uh, and, and he went to, the mom finally told him the doctor, he couldn't shake the sore throat. He said, I, I've never seen this before, but I don't know how this could even help. You have poison ivy in your throat. You know? And, he, and the mom was like, how could he get poison ivy, poison ivy in his throat? And the doctor goes, I don't know. The kid goes, I don't know. And he's like, ooh. Yeah. So anyway, don't smoke poison ivy. Uh, but isn't that stupid? I'm not going to eat a McDonald's cheeseburger, but I'm going to smoke pot. I mean, that's, that's folly. It's folly. But that, that's, that's, that's the evil that comes from the inside. And that's what Jesus is talking about. But why would somebody think that? Because they've been brainwashed. Their mind has been brainwashed by the culture. What are we letting into our hearts? What are we letting into our hearts? We can tell by what's coming out of our mouths. That's how we can tell. 
Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. If there's unwholesome talk coming out of your mouth, guess what's in the heart? And there's a lot of unwholesome talk, isn't there? Cursing. Cursing. That's unwholesome talk. And Christians are buying into this. Christians curse all the time now. It's unbelievable. The words that we use out of our mouths. Well, that has, that's coming from the heart. Don't let the culture feed us this garbage. What are we allowing into our minds, our hearts, that the Holy Spirit's convicting us of today? As we get ready to go to communion here. Do you have Jesus Christ in your heart? Are you a Christian yet? Have you asked Jesus to come into your heart and change your heart? Only Jesus can change your heart. Christianity is a relationship of the heart. It's not about religious rules or rituals. It's a love relationship with God, the Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we can only have that relationship by putting our faith in Jesus, by saying, God, I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to follow Him. I give Him my life. And that's what communion is all about. It's the cleansing of the hearts and the minds so that we can really commune with God, so we can connect with God. It's cleansing our hearts. And we've been talking about food today, which is perfect because we're going to be, in just a few moments, eating the bread and drinking the cup, remembering the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and recommitting ourselves. Communion is all about recommitting ourselves to a love relationship with God shown by a holy life. Remember last week? If you love me, you will obey what I command. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. It's committing to that love relationship shown by holiness. And that's why it's important not to take the Lord's Supper if there's unconfessed sin in our life. Notice I didn't say sin in our life. Otherwise, nobody would be walking up here to take communion. Unconfessed sin. That's like, God, I'm not going to give something up. I know this is wrong, but you can have everything else, but not this one thing. That's unconfessed. Confessed sin is, God, I am having a hard time with this one. I ask you to forgive me and help me. I need your Holy Spirit to fill me and help me with this. That's confessed sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's why it's important, though, to repent before we take the Lord's Supper and be ready to surrender whatever. I hope everyone here is able to do that, to leave the junk food behind and take the real stuff, get the good stuff, the stuff that will truly fulfill us. It's also vital only to take the Lord's Supper if you're really a Christian. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in your heart. If you never have, I hope you do today. But if you're not ready to take that step, wait, because it's very important not to take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy, unworthy way. What we're going to do is just in a moment, we're going to pray. We're going to go in a time of prayer. We're going to have some worship music. And if, as you feel led, come on up and, and take a piece of bread and take one of the cups and go back to your seat. You could take it just yourself, you and God. You can do it with your uh, husband or wife, family. You could do it with a friend. However God leads, there's no right or wrong way to take communion. It's between you and God, but you can... Take this, the Lord's Supper between you and God. But once again, I want to encourage you, if you're not ready to put your faith in Christ, or if there's something you're not ready to surrender to Him, wait. But I hope everyone here takes those steps and communes with God, not just now, but every day, has that close love relationship. Let's pray. Are you ready for communion today? Is Jesus Christ living in your heart?
Is your heart full of all the evils that Jesus outlined? Or is the Holy Spirit living there? Every one of us can have the Holy Spirit living in our heart if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe you've never done that before, but today is the day that the Holy Spirit is calling you, convicting you, pulling you. And you know it. And right where you are right now, sitting right where you are, you can pray the prayer of faith, surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Just say, God, I ask you to forgive me for every sin I've ever committed or ever will commit. Please forgive me. I repent. I don't want the sin anymore. I turn away from that life. Forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. My hope and my trust in your son Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for me. He rose again from the dead for me. I put my faith in him, my trust in him, my hope in him. I'm going to follow Jesus. I give my life to you, God. Forgiveness, faith, and follow. If you've prayed that prayer, or if you do pray that prayer, something radical has just happened in your life. The Holy Spirit is in you. You're going to see things you never saw before. You're going to think things you never thought before. You're going you're gonna to feel a love for God that you've never felt before. You're going to love people in a way that you never loved them before. Your life will never be the same. You can now commune and talk to God any time of the day. And you're going to want to. He's your heavenly father now. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe a family member or a friend, someone here. Tell me. Text me. Call me. Email me. Tell me on the way out. Let someone know so that we could be so excited for you and and encourage you in your new faith. It's awesome. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What are we letting go into our hearts, into our minds and hearts? This is the hint. What's coming out of our mouths? What are our actions showing? What is the Holy Spirit convicting us about? Don't fight the actions and what comes out of our mouth. Deal with what's in the heart. Go for the heart. It's the heart surgery. That's the key. The rest is going to follow. What needs to be changed in our heart? Don't do behavior modification. Say, God, my heart needs to be changed. Help me to stop feeding my mind these things. Help me to stop thinking the the stinking thinking. Help me to... To, to be filled with your spirit. Father, we ask your Holy Spirit to move in this communion time. Let it be a healing time. A cleansing time. A transforming time in our life. Let this be the start of a transformation in every one of our lives as we commune with you. We pray it in Jesus' name.